Hi, and welcome to Talking Teachers. My name is Jane Hunter. I'm hosting this podcast series with my colleague and friend, Don Carter. Together, we've both worked in the field of Australian education for decades as parents, as teachers and academics. We believe this is a time of both opportunity and crisis in our education system. So in this series, we've gathered some of the most interesting and influential thinkers to work through how we can serve our schools better. We hope you enjoy it. You'll find details on how to contact us at the end of this episode. Hi, Jane. We're at the final episode of our Talking Teachers podcast. I'd like to remind everyone that if you want to know more about our guests or if you want to talk to us, you can contact us by simply Googling Talking Teachers UTS. Thanks, Don. What can you tell us about our guest today? Uh, Jane, we're very lucky today. We're welcoming Karina Haythorpe, the President of the Australian Education Union, a position she's held since 2015. And I have to tell you that Karina has been at the forefront of a number of industrial campaigns, including securing paid maternity leave and better conditions for female teachers. You know, they were really significant campaigns. Welcome, Karina. It's great to have you with us. The first thing I'd like to mention to you is at the end of our interview, we're going to give you the mic for 30 seconds. We call it our 30 second rant, and you'll get to talk about any issue you like without interruption. But I'd like to start by talking to you about the teacher shortage. We hear a lot about it in the national media, but interestingly, it's not just limited to Australia. In fact, it's an international crisis. So how did we get here? Yes, thank you, um, Jane, and hello, Don. Uh, in terms of the, the massive issue that's facing the teaching profession right now, the teacher shortage, this is something that has eventuated over many, many years and certainly in my mind not, not really been an accident that it's happened. We've seen uh, a significant issue in terms of governments not supporting the teaching profession. We've got major attraction and retention issues that are panning out right across the country. And so it's a multi-layered workforce crisis that we are experiencing right now, particularly for new teachers uh, in terms of initial teacher education, but also for existing teachers in terms of making sure that they are supported to do their work uh, in schools. Yes, thanks, Karina. And that brings me to the issue of teacher workload. I mean, teachers go into the profession so they can teach a class. What's the biggest impediment to teachers actually getting in front of their class and doing teaching? Well, teacher workload has just escalated over the past few years and certainly with the pandemic, we know that teachers across Australia that demonstrated their dedication and their professionalism but have also experienced a massive increase in terms of that workload. We have departments who really have increased the administrative workload for the teaching profession. We've got a national school reform agreement which was struck under the previous Liberal government which we also believe has escalated the workloads of teachers and our members in any survey that um, we conduct and also national surveys say that now their weeks look like on average 56 hours of work and much of that as you'd be aware is over and above their teaching load in a school 
and it's certainly unpaid and it is completely unsustainable for the teaching profession going forward. Yes, that's really an observation I've also made, Karina, over the past few years. It's the exponential rise in workload. And in terms of government and I guess not only state government but federal government, who fund our schools, why is it so difficult to give teachers a fair pay increase given that increase in workload? Well, that's a very good question. And the funding of schools is a joint responsibility of the Commonwealth and state and territory governments. It is the state and territory governments which are primarily responsible for the salary and conditions of the teaching profession. And unfortunately, over the last several years, we've seen wage caps, we've seen, uh, you know, decrease in the percentages that have been able to be achieved through um, industrial campaigns and governments that have really been reluctant to invest in the teaching workforce. What is happening right now, which brings some hope to the situation, of course, is that the Federal Minister, Jason Clare, has enacted a um, National Teacher Workforce uh, Action Plan discussion, and that is specifically looking at the issues that are impacting on teachers in terms of increased workload and uh, attraction retention. And we are hopeful that this plan is going to provide a good framework for state and territory governments uh, and the Commonwealth uh, from next year to start addressing these issues. And just following up from that, Karina, so do you think that is going to result in some pay increase? I don't think the plan itself will necessarily result in pay increases, but it will provide a framework for state and territory governments in terms of the issues that our profession uh, is facing and the need for proper pay and better conditions uh, in terms of teachers' work. And so that then will strengthen the arm of uh, our branches and associated bodies around the country uh, as they undertake, you know, industrial bargaining campaigns to achieve better conditions. It will also, I think, uh, set out a very clear gender in terms of workload and the uh, risk assessment that we think is needed for all new national initiatives, particularly national initiatives that might be attached to the National School Reform Agreement and funding agreements. Karina, you mentioned Jason Clare, the Federal Minister for Education. You know, we'd love to get him on this podcast series. Just say he was sitting here chatting with us now. What would be your main messages to him? You've mentioned quite a few points, but in a nutshell, what would be the things you would say to him? Well, these are things that I have said to Jason Clare, as a matter of fact. We believe that right now in Australia, we have a a deep vein of inequality that exists in terms of school funding, and that has really impacted not only on our members, but on their capacity to work with students who need the most help, particularly students who come from disadvantaged backgrounds or students who experience compound disadvantage. And, you know, our significant disappointment over the last decade is that the initial Gonski recommendations about having a schooling resource standard along with loadings that would uh, counteract that disadvantage, you know, it's just not played out in terms of government policy. And so what we know is that our schools are denied the resources that they need to teach every child. And that is the responsibility of the Commonwealth in terms of leading this next round of funding discussions. So we would say to Minister Clare that he has the opportunity now to deliver the promise that was made to Australian students and to the teaching profession. And that is the promise to make sure that we have a public school education system that is fully funded and can cater for the needs of every child, regardless of their background or their circumstance. 
Yes, I mean, that's a powerful point. At the start of this interview, we mentioned the pandemic and lockdowns, and there seemed to be a good deal of goodwill towards teachers. And I think it was because parents got an insight into what teachers have to do, as well as curriculum insights and so on. But that seems to have evaporated. If that's the case, why do you think it's happened? I'm quite astonished by this, actually, in terms of that evaporation, because there was a point in time in the last two years where teachers were praised and everyone realised that, in, in fact, it was an incredibly difficult job, given that they were trying to support their children in terms of their learning uh, at home. Post those two years, what seems to have happened is we've not learned the lessons of the pandemic and people have uh, become busier than ever. And uh, as parents have moved back to, you know, working in offices and um, dealing with their sort of day-to-day lives, I think they've forgotten, you know, the, the big impact that teachers do actually have. However, having said that, one of the things that's happening in the national conversation around workforce is that both uh, the federal government and state and territory governments are talking about the issue of raising the profile of the teaching profession and raising the profile of the importance of teaching uh, in particular because we know that um, many of our students, uh, senior secondary students, don't see teaching as a particularly attractive career pathway and therefore are not going into university. And so we do have to raise the status of the teaching profession and it's uh, very good from our perspective to be at a place right now where we've got governments talking about the importance of that and we hope that we can actually lift the status uh, of the profession, uh, particularly in the media uh, and in the public debate. Look, I agree totally. And the mainstream media seems to thrive on negative stories about teachers. And it seems to me that the different platforms and publications in the mainstream media need to be informed about the roles of teachers and what they actually do, aspects of a teacher's workload. What's your experience with dealing with the mainstream media? Do you have any pushback from journalists or do they seem to listen to what you have to say? And let me ask you, do they report on what you say accurately? That's a very good question. What I would say is that every day in every school across the nation, there are incredible people who are working very, very hard delivering a high quality education, but they're not the stories that are told. The stories that we see are the sensational stories, um, which have a negative uh, impact uh, on teaching more broadly. I have to say that in terms of my dealings with uh, journalists and mainstream media, one of the things that I've always thought uh, is important is to stay true to our members and that once I give a comment, what I can't do is control what the media does with it. Most journalists have been very good in terms of, you know, honouring those comments. However, occasionally you do get journalists who have got a particular story or an editor that has a particular story that they wish to tell and uh, your, your comments, you know, will, will not be used in the way that you expect them to be used. I think it's really an unfortunate legacy of the last nine years of uh, a Liberal government We had education ministers who actively talked down teachers in the public school system, uh, including, you know, uh, acting education minister Stuart Roberts, who said that hashtag dud teachers were in the public education system. And it's really a a headline grabbing moment, but it's also an insulting intervention, which was taken very much to heart by our members. And what we need to see is leadership from the political leaders of the country. And then I believe that that will filter down through the stories and the support that the media will give to the teaching profession. 
Karina, something that is reported is the decline in union membership. Now, you've got a union and the AEU with over 198,000 members. So if some of those stories are true around decline in union membership, why is that actually happening, do you think? Well, the stories reflect, I guess, the neoliberal agenda that we've been through over the last uh, decade or so in terms of the trade union movement more broadly and the fact that I guess it's not been a a positive thing in terms of being seen, uh, you know, to be a union member. But our experience goes against the stream in terms of union membership because we have grown over the last couple of years from 183,000 members to almost 200,000 members now. And we work very hard to be relevant uh, to our members. We think it's very important that we uh, actively campaign on public education issues because if you think about school funding, for example, that has a direct connect with everything that our members are experiencing in schools in terms of their professional work and also their capacity to educate their children and deliver high quality teaching and learning programs. And we actively have conversations with members about the importance of being a union member so that we can build our critical mass and so, uh, you know, that has led us to be one of the uh, third largest union uh, in Australia. And uh, I guess the other thing that I hold very true to is the fact that we are a democratic organisation and we uh, have processes in place, as do many unions, all unions, um, in terms of engaging with the membership and making sure that their issues are front and centre to our campaigning. Karina, you mentioned the difficulties in attracting people into the teaching profession. At the moment here at UTS, Jane and I teach some absolutely fantastic pre-service teachers who can't wait to get into the classroom. And let me tell you, when they do get there, they thrive. Why do you think it's so difficult to attract people into the profession? I know there are ongoing salary disputes, but does it go deeper than that? I think it does go deeper than that. You've got to start with initial teacher education. Uh, We were quite shocked to see the latest figures that show around 50% of students who undertake a teaching course do not complete their course. So we welcome the National Workforce Action Plan, which has a section which will look at the issues around why student teachers are not completing their courses. The other issue for us is making sure that when um, student teachers finish their degrees that they are supported in the classroom. And when we conduct our State of Our Schools survey, we get quite a lot of feedback from new educators which say that the critical issues for them in terms of feeling unprepared uh, for teaching relate to working with students, particularly students who have compound disadvantage or behaviour management issues. They also say that they don't feel prepared to work with uh, students from First Nations backgrounds in terms of understanding and you know, cultural competency and issues like that. So we believe that we need to have a much better uh, mentoring program in place to support students and also that we should have an extended practicum, perhaps an internship. You know, maybe it's time that we started talking about internships for students in their final year so that we can put the supports in place for them so that they could be successful uh, when they enter the workforce. Just talking about young people, Karina, what would be your advice to someone who's thinking about going into teaching? My advice would be it is an incredible career 
it is a wonderfully exciting, incredible career, but it's also can be very complex and very difficult. And you need to surround yourself with a critical circle of people that can help you and support you. And leaders in schools have a very big role to play here to make sure that, you know, students uh, and young people are supported when they um, enter the teaching profession. But I don't think people should be put off by, uh, I guess, the negative narrative that's at play because one of the things that we work very hard to do is to make sure that education departments have programs in place that support people as they begin their teaching careers. Well, thank you, Karina. That's great advice. Well, it's time for your 30-second rant. On any topic, we won't interrupt you and we'll stop you after you've had your say. So I hope you're ready. On your mark, go. Well, I could probably go longer than 30 seconds because my rant would be about school funding. I cannot believe that right now in Australia, we are in a situation where the vast majority of schools are denied the funds that they need to cater for students. Uh, This is just a shameful situation. And quite often we are profiled in the media as having low PISA results and low this and low that, yet it's our system that has been denied these funds. We cater for the vast majority of students who come from disadvantaged backgrounds. You know, it is our job to make sure that we develop the future population of Australia and we do so in a way that, you know, uh, that, that students can understand their, their role and responsibilities as citizens. But we need the backing of governments to do that. So this is the number one issue. It's time to get this right. Fantastic. That was just about 30 seconds, you know, Karina. A little bit over, but we'll give you that. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Thanks. You've raised some really great points and hopefully our listeners will start to talk more about the points that you have raised here. Once again, thank you. Thanks very much, Jane. And thanks, Don. It's a pleasure talking to you both. Really enjoyed our conversation with Karina. She has such an insight from her position as head of one of Australia's largest unions. And she is always so articulate, but also deeply understands the inherent challenges at the moment, Don. Most definitely, Jane. And one of the things that impressed me about Karina was her depth of knowledge. I mean, she knows all this stuff off by heart. She's across all of these issues. And they're serious issues. People who have school-aged children would have to be worried about industrial disputes, about conditions for teachers, about pay that's not commensurate with their workload. Highlighting the equity issue in Australian education, in Australian schools, is something that she has continued to do. And she certainly mentioned that in our conversation today. And I think you know, trying to somehow solve that, chip away at it. We really haven't got that far forward in all of that at this point in time. And, you know, I'm just hoping that 2023 and the years to come, now that perhaps with a change of government, we're going to see um, more movement in that area in, in a very real way. Most definitely, Jane. Here's hoping. It's been great conducting this interview with you. Karina was fantastic. Thanks, Jane. And thanks, Don. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Teachers. If you'd like to know more about Don and me, you can look at the UTS website. Simply Google UTS Teacher Education, where you'll also find show notes for this podcast. 
The podcast was produced by William Verity for Impact Studios at UTS, which specialises in turning research into quality audio. We wish to acknowledge that the series is being recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. We thank and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. <laughs>